Across America, hospitals are being pushed to the limit because so many healthcare workers have quit, just as Omicron is surging. But hospitals aren't alone, and Omicron isn't the major culprit. We're in the midst of one of the most profound changes in the American labor force in half a century. Since middle-class women entered the paid labor force in large numbers during the 1970s, only this time, women and men aren't entering the labor force. They are, in many respects, exiting it. For decades, work has had a total grip on most people's lives because there are so few alternatives to either working full-time, often 50 or 60 hours a week, sometimes at two or more jobs, or not working at all and worrying about making ends meet. Instead of working to live, most of us have been living to work. Yet in recent months, there's been something of a sea change. The so-called quit rate of workers voluntarily leaving their jobs has reached record levels. The labor force participation rate, that is the percent of people of working age who are in the workforce, is remarkably low. More workers are on strike than at any comparable period in the last 30 years. I used to be Secretary of Labor, and quite frankly, I'm astonished. I keep hearing phrases like, I don't want to work this hard anymore, or I'll be damned if I'm going to spend the rest of my life in this rat race, or they can't pay me enough to sacrifice my life like this, or I want to be in control of my life. Gen Z's, the people I teach, are even more adamant about not devoting their lives to work. Life is too short. They tell me. The pandemic has surfaced many issues that have been smoldering for years. Mandatory overtime, stagnant wages, dangerous working conditions, insecure employment, employment discrimination, lack of paid sick leave or paid family leave. It has forced, or allowed, many people to reconsider what they want from work and from their lives. Three researchers, Donald Sull, Charles Sull, and Ben Zwieg, recently conducted a massive study of workplace data for the MIT Sloan Management Review, including more than a million glass door reviews. What are employees complaining about at companies losing the most workers during this tsunami of resignations? Interestingly, not mainly pay, compensation ranked 16th of the issues that predict quits. The biggest predictor is a toxic culture. Workplaces that fail to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion, to make workers feel respected and valued, and to enable them to feel secure. No one likes to be underpaid, but it turns out people like disrespect and insecurity even less. When Australian researchers recently reviewed data on more than 1,000 workers, they discovered that working for a company that fails to reward or acknowledge their employees for hard work, impose unreasonable demands on workers, and don't give them autonomy, triples the odds that workers will suffer major depression. Now, I'm obviously no soothsayer, but as I look ahead, I'm fairly certain we're going to see companies and nonprofits 
moving toward more flexible work, more autonomous work, and mandatory limits on work hours. You see, they have no choice if they want to find and hold on to reliable employees. We're also going to see surges in self-employment, in people moving to locales where housing is cheaper, and in people seeking simply to simplify their lives. I also expect increasing demands for public policies that reduce the amount of time people must spend working and give them more control over their own labor. Policies such as a universal basic income, bans on mandatory overtime, a shorter work week, paid sick leave and paid family leave, and more tax incentives for profit sharing and self-employment. We're not facing the end of work, but we are facing the end of work as we know it. It's about time 